Welcome to Inner Bloom, a podcast about spirituality and intuitive empowerment, where we help each other evolve and ascend through conscious community. I'm Alexa, a healer who utilizes EFT, also known as tapping, to help you process stuck emotions, release limiting beliefs, and reconnect with your inner child. I'm Ambrosia, a psychic medium and Arcturian channel, here to uplift and inspire you to see that you are capable of more than you know. Together, we empower people to live extraordinary lives. We do want to warn you, if you hang out with us long enough, you'll start to believe in yourself and realize that you're capable of anything. Enjoy Enjoy the the show. show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back once again to Inner Bloom Podcast. I am Alexa. I am Ambrosia. Hello. And with us today is medical intuitive Rachel Reimer. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're excited to have you. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit offline about uh, about what you do, and, and, and you're going to actually show us a little bit of what you do later on in the show. But, you know, as we do with all of our guests who are on the show for the first time, we love to hear your story and, and just kind of like how you ended up getting into doing what you're doing. So we'd love if you could share anything that feels uh, relevant. Sure. Um, I think like most people, they get into this kind of line of work. It's not something that we're necessarily conscious of the minute we're born. It takes a little bit of time to go in and figure that out. Uh, I actually had horrible nightmares from about age zero to 18 every single night. And I didn't understand that that wasn't normal, even though I had other siblings in my house. And I was like, maybe they just have nightmares too, but they handle it better. Um, and I could see other things, but for some reason that also didn't occur to me that other people can't see those things. I, it'd be like you pointing to the couch in the room and saying, that's a couch. It's like, what's the point of mentioning that? It's, it's just there. If everyone can see it, why talk about it kind of thing? Um, so I, I actually got really sick during high school and that kind of landed me into where I'm at today. Uh, from my perspective, the origin of my illness was denying my sense of self later in high school. I kind of came to the understanding that I could start to see things and understand things that people couldn't and definitely suppressed all of that said, I don't want to deal with that. Um, I think a major fear I had was going to a psychiatric hospital, that there's something wrong with me if I'm seeing all of these things. And I think from my perspective, I'd rather be sick than go to a psychiatric hospital. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the decision I weighed in my mind. And over time, I said, well, the psychiatric hospital has to be better than this because this sucks. I (laughs) could barely do anything. I was on and off bed rest. I couldn't really live my life. So I said, well, let's just try the other side of it. So once I kind of made that decision to just let go and to see what happened, I ended up finding one of my mentors and she could see things that I could see, but I've never really heard anyone verbalize it or point it out. I remember at one of my um, appointments with her because she was a functional medicine specialist, uh, I was looking down the hallway and I saw this guy and he was sitting in the research library that they had. And he was going through a book and flipping through pages and flipping through pages. And to me, it's just a quick observation of, oh, there's a guy back there. He's flipping through pages, whatever. And at at this point in my awareness, I knew that not a lot of other people could see that or really anyone else could see it. Um, I just knew that person wasn't alive. I at least came to that stage at that point. 
And she commented on it and she said, don't worry about him. That's just the owner's father looking over the books to make sure that the business is still up and running properly. And I kind of looked at her and then I looked down at the ground and I looked at her and then I just said, are we done? And she said, yeah, you can go home now. So I kind of went home. I kind of freaked out on the way home and I was like, oh my God, Um, I came in for my next appointment. I don't know, maybe two weeks later or something like that. And she had a nice sit down conversation with me. And, and I appreciate that as uh, as a person that she took the time to do that. And she said, you understand that's why you're sick, right? Like I can give you everything and do everything on the physical route, but I want you to understand that this is why you're sick and you're going to continue to be sick until you fully can express this part of yourself. Mm. Still wasn't able to do that. I, I think it's really hard to accept any hardcore truth like that. So I really struggled for about the next three to four years. Uh, She helped me on the physical end and she would help me on the spiritual end too. When I had a question, she would give me guidance on how to deal with it or how to address it. And I'd say around 2017 is when I fully said, I get it. I'm okay with this now. And I noticed a dramatic increase in my health where I'm finally stable. Like I don't have any other health concerns or anything like that. It's stable. I'd say the only time that it's not stable is if I have a big event happen in my life and go, nope, not going to deal with it. And then that same thing comes right back where I'm denying that big truth. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how I got started. She, She was a big helper in helping me not only with my health, but understanding what I can and cannot do. And then I also had some other people along the way that's been able to help me with that too. But um, I'd say over the past three to four years, it's been a big exploration on my own of what I can and cannot do. And I think that's just the exceptional thing about the human body in general is what we can and cannot do. I think for a while there was a record set that no one could run past. um, No one could get under four minutes for a mile. And then Mm -hmm. when someone finally did it, you saw these other people breaking this record. So Uh, I think that was the biggest thing for me over the past two years is saying, well, what can I do? What really is possible? And uh, I've really embraced that truly in my business. And as long as someone has the perspective that they can get better, I had that same perspective. I'm willing to work with someone even that's been diagnosed with stage four cancer and they're on hospice. If they really think they can get better, I do too. And I've seen it happen plenty of times and it's really exciting. And I hope to continue doing that for a long time. Wow. So powerful and exciting. I think this is like one of the most exciting frontiers of, you know, where like spirituality is meeting science, right? Like where spirituality is meeting this. It feels like spirituality is kind of infusing itself into all these different areas of our lives, right? And and this 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 idea of like healing through uh, like you're saying that it's really an emotional I, I learned this as well I'm an EFT practitioner so I was taught you know disease is dis-ease everything starts with this emotional root right and if you let it get out of control for too long it's going to disrupt certain parts of your body if that gets out of control for too long it's going to manifest as some sort of um as some sort of you know bigger physical disease or manifestation um and so and I, I think you just said this, but just to clarify, do you think that any – do you believe that if if someone's willing to heal, no matter what it is, it can be healed? It's really about – it's really coming about for their inner realization and growth? I would say about 99% of the time. The book Dying to Be Me by – I think her name is Anita Monjor. I don't Morjani. know. Morjani. Yeah, Morjani. That story is insane. That. 
Yeah. Yeah. Someone that's in multi-stage uh, organ failure, she had the thought or the spirituality perspective of it, of I could still come back. She talked to different people in that realm and said, it's not my time. And then the body responded to that. Mm-hmm. So I really believe in this pyramid system where on the bottom level, you have physical resources and tools. And that's the biggest area because it's the most accessible. Um, right above that, you have emotions, which is like talking to a counselor, journaling, doing whatever. It's it's still accessible, but it's harder to do. And it's a little harder to get that result that you're looking for. Uh, but it is more powerful than physical resources. And then you have the spirituality level on top, which is the most powerful, but typically the hardest to access for people. And I think that it's great for everyone to utilize all of those levels of healing if you can. Mm, that's a good point. So what are your thoughts on the pandemic right now? Um, are we talking just from a spirituality perspective? Yeah, I think from, a spirit- <laughs> from a spirituality perspective, mostly. Yeah. I think there, I think we're in a time where a lot of people are um, starting to realize that what they're doing is no longer working and mm-hmm. the universe will send us a way to give us almost an out to try something new if we're too scared to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think there are a lot of people that are just kind of done with the lessons that they've learned on earth and they're not really quite sure how to end their journey or a pattern I've really seen pretty prevalently is the people that are passing away that the family members are so attached to them that they need to pass away in a quick manner in order for them, their family to truly let go compared to like a cancer diagnosis that would take years and years Mm. or dementia years or years. This is kind of a quick way out where it's in theory, it's easier for the family and on them, even though that sounds horrible to say from a, from just a logic based viewpoint, but I think from a spirituality based viewpoint, it's kind of a blessing where it's allowing these people to pass rather quickly um, Mm -hmm. compared to a long drawn out death where their family members are so hyper attached to the point where it would just cause an enormous amount of suffering. What do you think about just on this note of the pandemic or COVID it's like, what do you think about, you know, like ACE people who get it and are asymptomatic people who get like, you know, contracting of, like, what do you think about that? Like, it's, it's almost so confusing with this, this virus. Like, it's, it's so confusing how, like, some, I mean, I know people that, like, the husband gets it, sleeps in the same bed as the wife for, you know, a week, not knowing, and, and, like, nothing, she never tested positive. Like, there's all these really interesting cases. Like, what do you think about that? And, and it's not that these are going to the extreme. It's not that these are going to, you know, it's just, I've just been really curious about kind of this idea of, like, immunity, what's what's your perspective of that? Well, there's a few different ways I could go about that, but I'll try to simplify my answer. So using the example of cancer, I think that it takes about at least 10 years for most cancer cases to develop. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at someone's case, let's say a healthy person and all their lab work comes back normal, they may be in state like year three of developing cancer. So their immune system is going to be weakened, but it's not to the point where we can detect it yet using our Western medicine tests and lab results and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, Secondly, I think there's a difference between disease that's manifested and function. So for example, you could have a perfectly healthy human being that has no disease, even if we're talking about from like a functional medicine standpoint, let's say they literally have no disease stress or any other factors can lower the function of something that can put you at a susceptibility level to acquire something and for it to do some serious damage. Um, I also have a theory that 
I've been playing around in my head and I haven't been able to find any literature on it, but I'm curious to see what happens with that over the next few years. So a lot of people have heard about the immune system being stored in the small bowel, like your gut. Mm. Um, And then we've also heard about how your immune system can be stored in this gland called your thymus right here on your chest. What I've noticed with working with really sick people is that the last thing to go in someone's body is the lungs. I'm, I'm wondering if there's this, this like last kind of burst of energy within the lungs. Have you ever heard like people before they pass away, they take a nice big breath. That's what I'm wondering is if there's this built-in immune system in the lungs that we haven't quite figured out yet. And that someone that has already had a crappy gut and crappy um, low immune system function in that thymus, mm-hmm. that even if that last um, that last immune system in the lung isn't working quite right, I think those are also the people that get really, really sick. And again, that's based more off of theory than research. I haven't been able to find any research that supports that. But I think there's a lot about the body that we still don't know and understand on the physiological level, as well as how our emotions interact with it. Um, Because I have worked with uh, patients. I work with patients on the provider level where the provider submits cases to me. I go in and I take a look at it. I have seen so many patients that have normal looking lab work and then they complain that they're so sick and they don't know how to get better and they don't know what's wrong. And a lot of the times with the system that I come up with, I can at least pinpoint the beginning stages of something that's leading to those symptoms. So I I think there's some big room for improvement on what could be done in the medical system. And now do I know how to solve that? I I absolutely don't. I don't know how to replicate I do to every single provider. I think that would be rather difficult. Uh, But I think to say that the system that we're currently using um, is perfect would be a gross un- underestimate of what we can do as a society. I think there could be a lot better resources that we could instill in place. Hmm. Yeah. Amen. Um, by the way, so let me just read a couple que- a couple of comments and questions from Facebook. Lori Johnston says, I love this subject. Since I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue a handful of years ago and then cancer in 2017, I've been very much into alternative medical practices Ashley Yukich says, yup, this is so true. The world is so gracious and opportunities to guide us away from what no longer works. And then Michaela Knudslin says, I was going through such intense anxiety around 14 to 15 years old. I literally got shingles. My immune system basically stopped there for a while. That's when I learned my emotional state affects my physical state. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on children or people that are well? Yeah, it would be children that are born with cancer, things like that. And that's an excellent point because that's something that really bothers me to this day. And when I have cases like that, it typically comes from a belief system that they had in the womb, or it's from a past life. If we want to get really metaphysical down the road here, um, in general, this is one theory that my mentor has had, and I really like it that we come to earth to learn lessons. And before we even come into a human body, we say, this is what I want to experience. Now, do I think any logic-based human being would say, I want to choose to experience cancer? No, I don't think anyone would consciously choose that experience, but we're always choosing experiences that are benefiting us here. Mm -hmm. I I like to say that heaven sounds like a really comfortable place. I don't know why anyone would leave it other other than to learn. 
Yeah. Otherwise, it feels great to just be in this state of eternal uh, love and compassion and just peace. I would love to do that. So I, I think the whole point of Earth is in order to learn and to help us learn. So there's a really big commonality that I see in my uh, personal clients that I work with, which is my body's attacking me, my body is hurting me. That's even the whole mm. premise behind autoimmune disease. Yeah. Your body's trying to help you. It's trying to be your ride or die best friend. I had a friend, I think this was about six years ago. She was trying to quit smoking and she's a big burly lady. Like she could kick my butt to Timbuktu. <laughs> uh, she wrote a Harley, like just had tattoos everywhere. She's really hardcore. And she came up to me one day, we were working in the same building and she said, Rachel, can you help me quit smoking? Like I'm having a really hard time doing this on my own. And I said, okay, I, I guess I'm willing to, I appreciate your company. I understand that smoking's not the best for you. I'll do, I'll do my best to help you. Um, what I really meant was I will do everything I possibly can in my power to help you quit smoking. That was the background thought. Cut to the next day. I look out the blinds because I hear her car and I'm like, why is she not coming in? And she's around the side of the building and she's smoking. So what do I choose to do? I choose to run out of the building and I tackle her again. She could literally <laughs> beat me up. She's a very strong lady. I tackle her. I tackle her to the point where the cigarette gets out of her hand and I almost hurt her shoulder and she gets off the ground and she, she starts yelling and screaming at me. And yeah. she says, why did you do that? And I said, well, I'm trying to help you. If I went outside and asked you to quit smoking, you wouldn't have put out that cigarette. I had to get it to a point where you understood me. Mm. You had to hear me. You heard me when you're on the ground and that cigarette fell out of your hand. You wouldn't have heard me if I came up politely and asked you, that's the same thing with disease. Mm. We have the little nice gestures, that little twinge, that little headache that goes, Hey, put out the cigarette. Hey, put mm -hmm. out the cigarette. They're like, maybe that's not a great choice. And then when you <laughs> really don't listen, you have the ride or die best friend that comes in and really gives it to you. <laughs> Pay attention and goes, Hey, this is not benefiting yeah. you. Let go of it. Yes. Wow. Uh, so true. And such a, what were you going to say, Ambie? I was going to say like, that's a, that's a really good friend. It'll just <laughs> tackle you because you're, you're not following through with what you said you were. So kudos well, I, to you. I also, well, I, I think this is very interesting to bring up about the body too, because it's something I've come to understand recently is that I think so many of us all the time, I, I know I've been guilty of this and many around me do this. It's like, oh, uh, like I, like I have such a headache or, oh, uh, like, you know, we can, we, we get, we get angry at our body for doing the things that it does. When in actuality, the things that it, the body is doing is in order to protect us, right? So, like, when we get a fever, it's like I just I just fully understood what that actually means, is that our body mm -hmm. is heating up to kill off whatever is foreign yeah. that might, you know, harm us. It's automatically doing that. And there was this other example someone gave me about, like, when, um, you know, some, some condition happens, basically the body – oh, when – Something about like when your blood isn't distributed evenly or something about that, it, it you faint. And the reason why is because the body wants to even out like the blood um, in your body um, and it needs to get you on the ground, basically. So like there's all these really fascinating things about how the body is always working for you, but we become so human about it in a lot of ways, right? Of like, oh, so annoying that I feel this way. Not getting the message, like you're saying, and not appreciating this best friend and this, you know, this awesome suit that we're wearing that's really designed to keep us alive as as in in many many situations in all situations if possible you know 
And we've been conditioned, from my perspective anyway, I see a really common uh, thought that we've been conditioned to believe that there's something wrong with us when the body's reacting in a certain way. Yeah. And then going back to that ride or die best friend situation with the cigarette, there's there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's helping you. It's not harming you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, yeah. and so when you're working with someone, with your clients, just so I understand, what you're doing is you're helping them figure out what's underneath their physical illness, like what is the emotional root of their physical illness, or how exactly do you work with people when you work with them? Correct. So with my personal clients that I work with, all that I need from them is a recent picture within the past year, just so I have a general understanding of who they are. Um, and that's it. I go in, I look at the picture, I bring up a, emotional belief systems that I see stuck in the body or related to a specific condition that someone has. And we go in and we talk about it. And when you have the thought, I'm 100% okay with a different solution, the body no longer needs to hold on to that old thought anymore. The new thought can come in, release the old that's causing the physical symptoms. So I've seen really cool results with that. I recently worked with a woman that had an incurable eye disease where she would go blind. She was only like 28, 29. Uh, she just got a message back from her doctor that she no longer has anything wrong with her eyes and she's being wow. taken off of all of her medication. Uh, I've had things where people's blood pressure has gone down 20 or 30 points after talking to me, uh, a variety of different diseases and conditions. It's so cool to see this work happen. And once someone gets it, they get it. Um, and it's, it's hard though. It's hard to let go of some of these emotional belief systems because by the time something turns into a physical symptom, it's normally something that makes you uncomfortable and that you don't want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another reason why chronic disease is so prevalent is because no one wants to talk about things in their life. We've been conditioned to say, I'm fine and to hold everything and then suppress it. And so long as we're doing that, I think we're going to see an increase in chronic disease, especially if you're out the United States anyway. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be really, to that point, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens here in the next five or 10 years, because these next generations that are coming up, much more vocal, much more in tune with like, you know, who they are, like what they're feeling. And also now all of this knowledge, right? Like people like you, people like podcasts like this, you know, are talking about this, educating people. So I, I am really interested to see what does happen, um, you know, if it starts to, you know, if disease starts to dramatically decrease, right? What do you think is going to happen in the next five to 10 years? My thought is, I think this goes for the, just the healthcare system in general. I think we're actually going to see a major change instead of the traditional route with insurance and just seeing your doctor when you're sick of changing almost purely into a purely uh, concierge practice model, where mm -hmm. you actually have a relationship with your doctor. Your doctor knows you, your doctor knows what you do for a living. They know your regular stressors. So they manage you on the physical route as well as on the emotional route. I think that's gonna be really popular. I think you're gonna see some high priced concierge programs where the doctor might only take on 10 or 15 people. I think you're gonna see some lower priced concierge programs where maybe they take on 2,500 people. They don't have a great mm -hmm. relationship with you, but they at least know who you are. If I remember correctly, I think the standard like primary care practice from like a big hospital type setting might be 5,000 patients. 
So I, I think we're going to start to see those numbers diminish and patient relationships with their doctor get better. The book Mind Over Medicine by Lisa Rankin is a really cool resource if you guys want to start learning more about this and the relationship difference it makes between having a doctor you really know well and that you trust and not having a doctor you know well and trust. Um, I do have a few personal clients that have said, I've chosen my doctor based off of the research. They get into the room and they, they just have this sinking feeling in their gut, like this person doesn't listen to me. This person doesn't understand me. I don't think this is going to work. The relationship with the doctor is just as important as the physical treatment that they're administering. If you do not trust your doctor, find a different doctor. Totally. Mm. I've had that experience for sure. Do you think that the American healthcare system will ever go towards preventative healthcare? Or do you think it'll always be reactive? I think we'll see an increase in like preventative and functional medicine. I don't think at this point it's possible, but at this point I I don't see it going towards pure preventative practice as long as the pharmaceutical industry has just as much of a say as it does now. Um, I think prescriptions have their place. I really do. I, Mm -hmm. I say all the time that if you're a diabetic and you're not willing to change your diet, insulin's great love insulin for that purpose. I I would love to see it change towards preventative medicine, but to answer your question in short, I I think it'll increase a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be a huge change still, because again, people don't want to deal with their problems. And and that kind of comes back to it. They don't want to deal with their emotional problems or physical problems. Um, I had a conversation with a personal client yesterday and we were talking about this guy that's been influencing her life and it's related to her, um, she has an eye condition where she gets like bumps around it and they fill with pus and it's just really it's uncomfortable. like blepharitis or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something yeah. along the lines of that. And um, I called this guy Dorito Man. And she said, well, what do you mean by Dorito Man? I said, have you ever sat on the couch and ate a bag of Doritos? And she said, well, yeah. I said, it's enjoyable in the short term, right? And she said, yeah. I said, is it enjoyable in the long term and does it get you to your goals? And she said, well, no. And I said, he's a Dorito man. He's not getting you to your long-term goals. You've established you're not going to get in a relationship with him. You're not going to marry him. And mm. you told me those are your goals. He's a Dorito man. I think that's mm. a, a big like that. way that our that. society yeah. operates. It's a really yeah. fun term. Yeah. I'm going to steal Dorito that man. I like that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Oh, so fun. By the way, um, Mind Over Medicine, who wrote that? Lisa Rankin. Lisa Rankin, they were asking in the comments. They say yep, she's Lisa. a gynecologist. I think she was based in California. I don't know if she's still practicing or not, but she has a lot of cool materials. Cool. Thank you so much for that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rachel, I know that you said that you wanted to give Ambrosia and myself a, you said like a blind reading, right? Yes, what is, what have, is that? Yeah, oh, you guys you haven't first. told me anything about yourselves. And no. I can obviously see you as we're talking. So you yeah. don't need to submit a picture <laughs> or anything like that. So if you want, I can just tell you what I pick up and we can just roll with it and see what happens. Okay, sounds cool. Okay. <laughs> we're only slightly nervous. <laughs> you don't need to be nervous. I, I promise I'm not going to bring up anything that you can't handle. That's okay. That I, do I won't bring up anything you can't handle. Everything okay, that's always easy going with this. So let's see what I wrote down. Al, Alexa, tell yep. me a little bit about your relationship with your mom and the need to take care of your mom. What comes up with that? Oh, yeah. Well, my mom had cancer when I was four. Um, this is getting deep real fast. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, she had um she had breast cancer. She had uh, she's had cancer. She's had different forms of cancer for like the a lot of my life. She's very healthy now. Um very strong woman. But yeah, that was like a that was a big part of my childhood. So. And would it be fair to say there's a fear that that's going to happen again? Yes, or more so, I think maybe the underlying fear is that it will happen to me. Okay. I'm not seeing a huge hit on that. I think that's just a logic-based fear. I don't see that stuck in the long term yet. Um, I don't get that that's going to happen again to your mom. I think she's really changed. And I think the major change was realizing that if she doesn't take care of herself, that she's not going to be able to take care of her family. And I think that's the thing that means the most to her. And I think Mm. she finally realized that the last go around. And it's really cool to see her change with that. So I don't see anything to be concerned about with that. I think that that's really good news for you and a good change. Thank you. Good, I, what did I wrote, write down? I think I wrote down good things are around the corner. With that. Oh, exciting. Thank you. So her, her health has really improved. So it's, yeah. it's good. good. Um, let's see what else I wrote down. I wrote down the idea of TV and work. And it feels like you'd like to publish an ongoing series or something along the lines of that. Tell me what comes up when I mention that. Um, well, Ambrosia and I have wanted to create a TV. We've actually even started shooting a TV show about, are you talking like, like yeah, well. Rachel, you're super psychic. Yeah. You need a little cape and everything. Um, yeah. So we wanted to do a TV show about like traveling the world and like going in these different spiritual communities and, and kind of sharing wisdom. Um, that got halted when COVID and all that stuff started, but that's been something we've been wanting. Yeah. Okay. There's two other blocks around that. Let me see if I can identify what those would be. Let's see. Uh, finances would be one about how to fund the adventure. Adventure. That's, what would be the other one? That's so true. Has to do with Ambrose's family obligations. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, we'll talk about we'll talk about the finances first. Is it the the belief I have to have money to travel to go somewhere? I think it's more so, and Ambie, tell me if you think differently. I think it's more so for me when I think about the finances and the show. I think about it that we want to do it on our terms. We don't want to have to like mold it to fit. We've we've talked to people with networks and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you have to do it this way if you want to be whatever. Well, we have our own idea of how we want to do it. And so from who we've talked to, it's like, well, you got to kind of self-fund it then. And so that's I'm okay with not doing that. I'm yeah. okay with selling out, just for the record. Oh, I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding when I say that. What I wrote down is the network will pick it up. You just have to give it about a year and a half. And okay. to come up with the, how would I describe that in English words? Describe it more on paper, and then the person will pick it up. Because I think it's someone you've already talked to, and they didn't get it. And I think if you go back to it and explain it in a different way, in a more creative, fun way, they're showing me pictures of like different cartoons and things like that, Um, (laughs) specifically like Adventure Time. So maybe if you guys sit and watch Adventure Time, that could be a little bit of an inspiration piece of make it a creative endeavor of what could be out there rather than these are those very specific things that we want to explore and see how we can educate the public and stuff like that. Okay. Instead of educating the public, turn it more into a creative invent- creative yeah. venture of look at all the things that are possible out there. Yes. I love that. That's such oh fun my energy. Gosh. This is intense. I will tell you, we've had a lot of psychics on this show, Rachel, and this is impressive. Yeah. This Thank is really you. impressive. It is. 
<laughs> I appreciate that very much. Okay, so let's talk about the family obligation piece that I was picking up with Ambrosia. Oh, uh, tell me a little bit about your family life so I'm aware. Um, I have three kids and a husband. Okay. Husband feels fine with that. Um, kids love you, very attached. I mean, just think of on your end what the family obligation would be because they can take care of themselves. I don't see an issue with that. Do you fear that if you're gone for more than a week or two at a time that your kids are going to feel like you abandoned like you abandoned them in some yeah. capacity? Yeah. They're not yeah. going to feel that way. They under, like, they're actually encouraging you to go out and do it and then tell them stories about it. I don't know if your kids like stories, but they want to hear real life yeah. stories from mom. Yeah. They'd much okay. rather hear that than storybook stories. So okay. they, they don't feel abandoned at all. Okay. All right. So Thank, think you. On that. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, and then this came out of left field for me while I was sitting here and doing this too. Uh, for Alexa, I wrote down just the word cat. I wrote down five years ago, which would be approximately 2015, 2016. And I wrote down, I'm okay. I made it. What does that mean? I don't know. I had a cat when I, I, I had a cat when I was younger, not five years ago. Um, it may be symbolic then. Okay. So a cat to me can symbolize communication from the spirit world. Mm. Did you have someone pass around 2015, 2016? Um, the only people that I've had pass are, are my grandma is like the first person I've really lost. And that was like, what, three years ago. And someone around the exact same time, which was well, she was a dog walker, and she actually wa- watched cats, and she was a friend of mine. Um, there you I go. I mean, I didn't really yeah. get to say goodbye. No, not her. Not her either. Hmm. Is this a man? Mm-hmm. Your uncle? Mm-hmm. My great uncle? Mm-hmm. Tell oh, me more he about He always that. comes up. Why does he come up? I don't know. Yeah, it's a... Um, I didn't – so here's the thing. I didn't know him that well. I did. Like, I, I knew him, but I didn't really spend that much private time with him. He was my – my. I guess he was, like, my mom's uncle, right? Um, right? Anyway, he was this really fun – he was he was wealthy. He he created toys, and he, he, he invented toys, and he had this just beautiful spirit uh, with regards to life. Oh, I understand. Okay. If you if you talk to him more and harness more of his energy, that's what's going to produce the TV show. Is that creative energy compared to the educational aspect of it? So wow. he says I've been working on this behind the scenes for over 20 years, but you haven't started listening to listening to me until just recently. Oh, okay. God, you've been listening to me and you're on the same page now. I'm here. Hello. I've That's... been trying to talk to you. So I'm wondering why the year 2015, 2016 comes to mind. What, that might when have been die? when no, that might have been when he died. Because okay. um and so here's what's very interesting about all of this. When Ambrosia and I first met. We met on a pod we, – we didn't know each other. We met like three years ago, right? We met on a podcast. I interviewed her. And then she emailed me, like because she's a psychic. She emailed me a couple days How later and said, <laughs> and said, there's a man here for you. And I was like, I don't know anyone really in spirit. And she's like, he says your uncle. I was like, I have all my uncles. Anyway, it was him. I realized it was my great uncle. And uh, and he came through and was like this really big encouragement to me. Um, and I was just embarking on my spiritual path, like just starting. Um, 
So wait, what was the, was there a question? I was just saying it's no. really interesting he's coming back around. I was just wondering what that time frame was from, if it was the year that he died or if something significant happened around no, that No, I think so that was actually when that. he died. I can double check okay. on that, but I think that was when he died. Okay. So the reason why he's coming in again, and I think why Ambrosia picked that up is because it's, he's supposed to help you guys with this TV venture that you guys are thinking about and to channel his energy with that instead of the education base that you, I think you had the approach of before. Yeah. We're being yeah, too we serious did. about it. And we're not too very serious. serious. We're not serious yeah. yep. at yeah. all. It's not You're working. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's not working. But okay. it can work. And I, I think you guys are going to find a network that'll pick up the show, no problem, and give you that creative freedom that you're looking for. And anytime they say, well, what about this? As long as you set strict boundaries with it and go, okay, did you listen to us the first time we did this during the first few episodes? Yes. Was it good? Yes. Continue to let us do that then. Stay out of it. You stick to what you're good at. We'll stick to what we're good at. We'll thrive and succeed in that manner. Okay, Cool. Um, I also picked up for Alexa a family, I'm interpreting this as a family pattern of high blood pressure and um, cardiac issues. Um, mm. That is something that you've absorbed emotionally just by being around that environment and you have those tendencies. Uh, from a emotional standpoint, what that tends to signify is something called a provider mentality. I have to take care of other people and that doesn't surprise me that you mentioned that with your mom. Mm. That is not your job. And I also picked up a pre-diabetic pattern. And I think that's also from your family history. Pre-diabetes is I have to sacrifice what I love and enjoy to take care of other people. That will be your biggest hindering pattern is this this high blood pressure, cardiac pattern and pre-diabetic pattern that have been carried in your family. And that's the interesting part thing too, that when someone says I have a genetic condition, it's because you absorb the belief systems and that environment that you are around. It doesn't necessarily have to do with just your physical body. Wow. We should have been I, doing this the whole time. I, Keep going. <laughs> sorry. Doing what? Talking to Rachel? Just, I, I don't know. Like this could go on for two hours. I could listen to Rachel talk for two hours. No, Rachel, you should have this a podcast. Is this is where you, t- where you do Do you have a podcast, Rachel? I don't have a podcast. I don't. Not at the moment. Well, I, we can I help thought you. about it a long time ago and I, I took a swing at it. And for some reason it didn't feel right. And I haven't figured out a way to do it that feels good continuing on so on so on and so forth but um it's been circling it's been an idea well if you Um, need support wait can I comment on what you just said yes go for it so it's funny because when you say like caretaker provider I'm like like part of me is like "Mm, well like Ambie feels like more of a caretaker than me sometimes but then I thought about it in a different way and I was like no that that is really true about being feeling like I have to I like, like, I can't let other people have their feel. I, I, I need to be very involved with other people's feelings. Like, if anything, yeah. if, if I, if I did anything to offend them, or if I just feel like they're not, yeah, it's just thinking of it in a different way. It's like I'm an emotionally all over them. And then, um, the, the thing about high, uh, pre diabetes, it just like connected so many dots for me because my dad, my, on my dad's side, like you said. All have diabetes, so many, and my dad, like a year ago, just kind of crossed the threshold into diabetes. He kind of goes back and forth. Um, and I was just telling Ambi that the past two months, I have been like sugar, sugar, like to the next level. And so I just actually in the past three days kind of started doing like a sugar detox. Um, but but that all that you said, I just want to validate what you said. It just all makes complete sense. And 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 
And what you said, I have to put, what did you say? I have to put others' uh, desires before my own. Yeah. You have to put your desires before the desires of other people, because when, with the provider mentality, I'll give you an example, provider mentality for someone having a newborn would be, I have to get them this Gucci clothing item, or I have to buy them this (laughs) $20,000 crib or something like that. When in reality, what would a baby like? Just a nice blanket, maybe a little fan or something like that. If it's hot, that's it. Okay. When you go above and beyond the basic needs of someone, that's when you start to enter the provider mentality territory. And that gets really iffy real quick. Mm. Mm. Amen. All right. Amazing. Message received. Thank yeah. you. In my opinion, too, that's also why I think um, heart disease is so prevalent in middle-aged men is because mm. they've been raised, this, raised yeah. with the idea that they have to go to they work and be a provider, even if they hate their jobs. Mm. Yeah. Totally. True. Wow. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Ambrosia. Okay. Let's see. Um, I wrote down children and wanting more children. And I also wrote down that you're ready to have more children. Hell no. Oh my <laughs> God, please. You're the second psychic to say this. I'm not even kidding, guys. This is not funny. This isn't funny. Don't you have your... Oh. I, I, I can't that? have more kids. I have yeah. my tubes tied. Let's see why that's showing up then, because I'm curious. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Ooh, more dogs. So pregnancy can also symbolize business ideas. That's another interpretation. Uh, Oh, thank God. Okay. (laughs) Let's go with that interpretation. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't see adoption. So if your tubes are tied, we'll go with the the pregnant ideas as far as business goes. Okay. There you go. Um, so the TV, TV thing was one. We've already narrowed that down. There's two others. And this is why talking with someone while doing these readings is so important. Because if I gave you a report back, you'd be like, what the hell? That doesn't make yeah. any sense. Mm-hmm. So the back and forth is really helpful in my process. Let's see. Another one is finances. And then the other one. Self-confidence. Okay. So we'll talk about the finances for the other venture you want to do. What would that be? Do you want to travel with your family outside of the TV show? Yeah, we've talked. Actually, my husband and I have been more seriously talking about moving lately. Yeah. Weren't you also talking about getting in like the RV though? And like, yeah, that's what we've been seriously talking. Okay. That was the picture that was showing up. Um, is there some hesitation to buy an RV? Like, obviously, RVs. There, yeah, I mean, you're talking like eighty thousand dollars. So there's there's some hesitation there, but then there's also like logistically, how would he work and how would I work at the same time and everybody be in the RV? So, like, imagine all of my children in the background right now, and then like, boom, 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 like that doesn't sound good with qual- like sound quality. So. The picture that I'm seeing floating around you, and I have no attachment to this, would be more of like a teardrop style trailer. And it's it's fairly small, but it would do the job. But let's say you and your husband would take shifts working where you would be in the trailer maybe in the morning every day. And then he'd take the kids out and go hiking or do the homeschooling or whatever it is. And then vice versa, he takes the afternoon and evening shift. You take the boys um, and your children out and go and do something else. So... I think it would actually make you really happy. Your husband shows a really high stress pattern and I actually think it would lower his stress pattern quite a bit. So I don't see anything wrong with that whatsoever. Um, as far as getting the money for the teardrop trailer, 
Um, you might be able to, I keep seeing the word refinance, even though you thought about moving, you might just refinance the home, keep the home, and with the money that you saved refinancing by the teardrop trailer, so you still have a home base and you don't have to travel 24-7. I like that idea, actually. I like that idea a lot. I'm so sorry. I am having something installed right now, so I'm going to keep <laughs> Yes, keep going. No worries. Okay. By the way, I just want to take this moment to say that on Facebook, everyone's like jaw is dropped. Lauren Regal says, holy moly, Rachel, sign me up. Lori Johnston says, I'm so impressed with Rachel. Everybody, Literally, kidding. Rachel, you have, I don't know how many times I'm sitting here like, oh my God, that's crazy. Go ahead. Sorry. Continue on. Okay. And then the self-confidence was the last barrier. And that has to do with, that's related to the traveling and I think, well, minus that, I think it's just knowing that you can do it and that you're not going to mess up your kids. And I'm telling you, you can do it without messing up your kids. In Honestly, fact, that's one of our biggest fears, just to yeah. mess them up as human beings. You're, you're actually going to give them a much better education on the, wrong, on, the, on the road than you would just leaving them with what they're currently doing. Um, they would get a lot more benefit out of doing it that way than being there. And again, there's no attachment or judgment or anything around that idea. Um, but you're not going to screw them up. Can I ask you two questions while we're here? Yes. Okay. I get headaches a lot. Only if I don't get adjusted. And then the other question is I was told when I was 20 that I have mitral valve prolapse and, uh, two heart murmurs. And I was curious on if you pick up any, anything there. Yeah, I can address those separately. Let's start with the headaches. From a Louise Hay standpoint, um, and she's a really good pioneer in kind of mind-body work, she believes that headaches are self-criticism. I'd say 90% of that I agree with. Occasionally, there are some other things. For you, I do see the self-criticism aspect, but I think it's very particular. Um, When did you start having headaches? Was it like teenage years? Yeah. Okay. It was like teenage years. Like like 17, 18, 19, something. In yeah, there. somewhere okay. around there. Mm. I think it's just related to this idea that I'm not going to succeed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have major pressure to go to like college and get good grades and everything around junior no. year? I had major pressure not to end up like my family. Sorry if you're listening, family. And in your mind, you decided that you needed to really consider that as you were starting to graduate high school? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, there was an, an enormous amount of pressure around me after high school. Yeah. Okay. So that's the belief. That's something you're not okay with. So let's find something that we can replace that belief with. So to explore the concept, tell me why you're not okay being your family or turning into your family. Um, they're, most of them are addicts. Um, I don't want to end up like that because I've been conditioned to believe that that's not an okay way to live your life. Um, and they tend to use people and I don't want to be mean to people. Okay. We're getting real, real deep now. It's Mm -hmm. good. It's good. Who told you that you were them? My mother. Okay. And would you say that you took that belief on as a fact? 
that yes. since my mom told me that, that must be true. Okay. Is your mom Jesus? No. Okay. Is it possible that your mom has been wrong in her life? Yes. Okay. I want Many you to times. list off five times that your mother was wrong in her life. Oh my goodness. Uh, I can tell you. It her could car, be little things, big things, anything her like car, her heating and air conditioning, um, her money management. What else? The food that she eats, um, the way that she disciplines children. Um, that'll do her. So I'll do. Okay. Yep. So if mom has not always been a 100% factual human being, is it possible that she was wrong on this, that you are your family? Yeah. Okay. Do you see how that shifted right there that we, we went to the belief and you believed it's 100% true. We go in and say, is that really 100% true? And once the doubt overshadows the idea that it is 100% true, you no longer believe it. Yeah. It's interesting because I felt like a pit in my stomach. Mm -hmm. No more attachment to that. Yeah. So whenever you have a headache, if you do have any more headaches, it's from the belief I fear being like my family. Go in and talk about how you are not your family. List off five different ways in which you're not your family or that your mom has been wrong. She's Mm. not a true factual being. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, It's with the mitral valve prolapse and two heart murmurs. That's been there since birth, correct? Yeah. Okay. I think it was this inherent sense that you knew, um, even prior uh, to getting conceived, that I'm not cared about by my family. Mm. And I think you've had this, and this is hard, but I think you have the expectation that my family should care about me. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think... I think family should care about you. Yeah, it's a a nice belief to have. I feel like it's a nice belief. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm just writing that down. My family should care about me. And it sounds like your family doesn't have anything together for the most part. So let's say if they even, let's say if each family member gave 10 more percent to dedicate towards you to make sure that you feel cared about, how much more of a wreck would they be? Hmm. I never thought about it like that. They would probably, if they focused, took the focus off themselves, they would probably be a wreck. Yeah. They'd probably be about two to three times worse than that. Yeah. So knowing that, now that that's a conscious thought, would you like them to care about you? It doesn't, it's really neutral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've worked really hard to make it like a neutral point. Mm -hmm. And once you can understand that, that they did that for their benefit and for your benefit, because if yeah. they, they cared about you, they'd be two to three times worse and they'd probably be in jail or they might be more addicts or they might've overdosed already and died. Mm. Yeah. It might've been way worse. So they're not showing up for you in a great way. I think we can acknowledge that, but it's better than what it could have been if they gave more, took less attention and focus off of themselves and put it just purely on you. Mm. And that's a really good perspective for anyone that has anyone in their family that just treats them like crap or has addicts or they lie or something along the lines of that. If they took any good that they have left in them and gave it to you, how much more horrible would they be and act and behave? That's true. Pretty rough. Yeah. Might not have survived childhood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rachel. 
Mm-hmm. So that's the, how the whole entire process works. We identify the belief of what's not working and we find something that's a better fitting thought. And when you have that better fitting thought, like how we described that they would actually be worse if they did put that caring energy towards you, you're okay with the way that you were treated now. It doesn't bother you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when that true change happens. Now, did we heal the mitral valve prolapse or the heart murmurs or anything like that? No, because that's something that you were born with. I'm not God. I can't just go bam, <laughs> new organs or anything like that. But it eliminates any kind of dysfunction that is associated with it. And it eliminates any emotional stress that may be affecting it. Now with other diseases that you're not born with, that can physically change. Okay. So like with the headaches, that's something that can change as you continue to work on it and understand that belief that I'm not, I don't want to be my family. Uh, That's really interesting. If I get more headaches, I'm going to pay attention to that. Like what thoughts am I thinking? What's, what's coming up for me right now? That's really interesting. Thank you so much. And the way in which something physically develops is different for everyone. So some people, if you're more hyper focused or sensitive, like what you described yourself, I would say the event or the thought probably happened about within 24 hours. Some Mm -hmm. people, the event was up to seven days ago, but I would say within the past minute to seven days is typically when someone goes from a thought that they had to it physically developing. It just depends on how um, open and sensitive someone is to allow that information to come in. Um, So it just depends. Like I know for me personally, it takes me about three days. So someone like really, I'm prone to sinus infections. I get irritated really easily because I I like to be a very efficient person and go, 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 go. And when I'm prevented from doing that and I have that thought, I notice I start to get sinus infection energy within about three days. So everyone has their emotional thing that they're working on. And that's why we're human beings. That's why we're on earth. We're learning how to deal with that and how to handle that. Rachel, I'm if and sorry, I just have one specific question for you. And if this is pushing it, let me know. Also, I I want to read you like five comments that people just made about how they're already booking sessions with you right now. Um, <laughs> but I is it okay that I ask you one specific question? Yes. Yes. Okay. I've had this thing come up, and it's been coming up more and more and more. Where I literally can't. <laughs> every time I eat something, I think I'm not gonna survive it <laughs> this okay. is, is it like a choking thought choking choking okay. where it's like every it started out with just certain things and now it's like literally anytime I eat I'm like I can't do this I can't do this and I think it's like stuck in my throat um and it was coming up this morning I was like oh I'm talking to a medical intern today so maybe she'll know but um any insight on that From a physiological standpoint, that tends to be when the tongue um, is inflamed, and that's normally a sign of gallbladder dysfunction. So I'm going to look there. Um, And it doesn't know she doesn't drink water. It doesn't mean there's gallbladder disease or anything like that. It just means that the gallbladder is pissy. Um, One viewpoint that I have is envision like an anatomy and physiology textbook. You have your bones, your tissues, your organs, things like that one page I have is envision a page of organs and they all have different faces and they're all communicating with each other. Your gallbladder right now is almost like, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie inside out, but the little yes. angry red guy, yes. where just, yes. Yes. <laughs> that's what I see right now. So I'm going to go pay attention to him, see what's going on with him. Okay. Cause he's not happy. Okay. Gallbladder also tends to be the home of rage and resentment. And I would get a hit on resentment. Resentment tends to be, I'm not being treated right. I'm getting a hit on that. 
not treated right also you're not crazy I've gone through this emotional pattern myself so okay I, cool. not crazy. I'm yeah. not being treated right by who um and oh you're pushing yourself too hard it's self-resentment okay yup <laughs> that fits <laughs> I was interested to see who it yeah, was. Who's was it like, going to be? Me. I was going to sit here with my tea. <laughs> so it's essentially that you're, even if you're taking a vacation, your brain's not turned off. Mm. Um, so let's figure out a way to correct that then. My gallbladder is very angry. Let's see. Oh God. <laughs> and I like to use terms like that too, because again, it, it turns it into a friendly conversation instead of a really scary one. Yeah. Um, because we were talking about that before where you guys were like, I'm a little anxious about this. Yeah. I'm a little, yeah. 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 I'm a little nervous to understand and absorb. Cranky gallbladder is much better than any other like medical diagnosis or anything like that. I can handle yeah. cranky gallbladder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. So self-resentment, working too hard, pushing too hard. Let's find a solution for that. Ooh, if I don't work, no one will support me. That's mm. the current belief. Do you feel like you're on your own? N- well, no, I'm, and I know Ambie has to go in a minute, so sorry for bringing this up. Um, and, but uh, uh, I'm very supported, actually, but I do think I have this belief about m- no matter how much is supporting me that, like, I still have to prove myself type of thing. Can I give you an interesting thought? Sure. What if that's not even your belief and that's your father's belief? Very well could be. Mm-hmm. Very well could be. So just even having that realization that that's not even your own thought, you can let it go. Mm. Yeah. Not even your thought. That was just his. Just let yeah. it go like a balloon. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Just visualize yourself literally letting it go. I've seen psychics. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Let me tell you, Rachel, you're next level. Next Thank- level. Rachel – are, I'm not kidding. I think you just got like maybe three sessions. I just saw like three comments that said session book, session book, session book. Ooh. People said, I already want Rachel back on. She's amazing. Getting all emotional. I want to work with this woman. This is what people yeah, are saying. You, you could basically, her, can- you could run for president, I think. It might, it might be a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, but as Ambie is saying, go, go ahead. Ambie. How can people work with you, Rachel? Uh, they can go to my website, www.myrayofhope.com. Oh, I love Click that. on the personal clients tab and click book a session. Huge. Well, clearly they already found you. They didn't even need that. Uh, but uh, but we will put the, we will put your information in the show notes of this audio episode when it comes out. Um, Rachel, thank you. Sorry, we, we were so fascinated by you. The time flew. And thank you so much for reaching out and for sharing this beautiful gift. This was so helpful and healing and informative. And I know I know that we feel really, really blessed yeah. to have experienced your gift. So well, thank thanks you. for having me. I'm sure you guys could tell I had just as much fun. I love I love doing this. This is my bread and butter. I'll do it any day, all day. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have you back sometime. And uh Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, for watching. Uh, And until next time, keep on blooming. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.
If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love, love, love it if you would give us a rating and review on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you'd like to get in touch for a reading with Ambie, an EFT session with Alexa, or just to say what up, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And you can email us at innerbloompodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at innerbloompodcast. Until next time, remember, open your heart to the seeds of love and light and bloom from within. 